Uh, your pastor is a brave soul. Uh, I believe that when he asked me to speak at three services. <coughs> uh, I told him that uh, my voice is still strong, and this third service will uh, test that, uh, and that uh, I'm a cancer survivor. I don't remember telling him that. But I am, and uh, I'm sure some of you to whom I'm speaking are also cancer survivors. Uh, I told him I needed a a Moses chair. Uh, That was the title of the chair that was in the local synagogue and was reserved for um, the teacher that particular day. And he said he didn't have a Moses chair, and I I wouldn't be worthy of that chair anyway. But he does have a comfortable chair here. Uh, I'm as comfortable or maybe more comfortable than you are. Uh, It's been a a joy. Uh, I have had an association with uh, Grace Brethren. I was at Grace Brethren Long Beach on the ministry staff for... How many years? Uh, Twelve with uh, Dr. David Hawking, and then four more years after he left that particular ministry. Uh, Roy Halberg was an associate that I worked with. Uh, Some of you may remember he pastored this church. For how many years? I'm, I'm not sure. When a pastor takes off his watch and puts it on the a lectern, what does it mean? It really means nothing. It, it just means that he took off his watch. Uh, by the way, my, my wife is in the service. Uh, I'll not ask her to stand, but she, she can raise her hand. Fran, if you'd raise your hand. She uh, has been my only wife for 56 years, and that's a pretty good start, isn't it? Fifty-six, uh-huh. I, I, I get some merit for that, I think. Uh, she's never felt like divorcing me, but if you get too close to me and look closely at my neck, you might see faded imprints of her fingers around my neck. Uh, divorce, no. Choking me to death, probably. I, I don't want this to be a downer for you at all, but I'm going to talk to you this morning on what the Bible teaches uh, about dust. Not tell you everything it says, because it's mentioned 117 times in the Old Testament, uh, seven times in the New Testament, and 20 of those 117 times uh, are mentioned in the book of Job. And if there's anyone that ever felt like dust... It had to be Job, right? Boy, it's a, it's a pretty depressing book to read. But it's also a very instructional book to read. I encourage you to read that book because it'll, uh, it'll give you some understanding of who God really is and who and what you really are. So it's, it's a good book uh, to study because it's... Uh, It's about a person who was a righteous, godly man misinterpreting the trials of life. 
And we too are guilty of that. Uh, we, we too question God's sovereign plan for us. We, we do it in various ways. Um, the former pastor of uh, the Church of the Open Door, what's his name? Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Um, his wife used to complain that he would moan, moan too much. And he says, stop complaining about that. It's, it's biblical to moan. Because in Romans chapter 8, I believe, it teaches that the whole creation, including created man, uh, moans, you know, and groans until the appearing of Jesus Christ, uh, who himself and by his power uh, eliminates all moaning and groaning because when we get to heaven, all the former things that bring about our groaning and our moaning are eliminated. And I'm for that. Are you? Amen. Well, let me introduce the subject. It's a subject that you're familiar with if you live in a home or if you live in a tent. Uh, you're acquainted with dust, aren't you? Yeah. Boy, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. By the way, I was born in the year of the height of the Dust Bowl, 1932. And I'll also tell you how much I weigh. I weigh approximately 218 pounds. So I'm 80 years of age and 218 pounds. I know if I were female, I would not have given you that revelation. Uh, dust. It's inert in that it... It has no means of propulsion in and of itself, does it? Have you ever seen dust move in and of itself? No. No, it's inert. It has no means of, of traveling anywhere except by wind. Uh, so it's powerless. And, and that's applicable to the human family and even believers, isn't it? You felt powerless a few times, haven't you? Even to get up off the couch. Uh, sometimes uh, things in motion, as the uh, uh, the television says, advertising tend to stay in motion, and things not in motion tend to, to stay where they are, and uh, that speaks to us volumes. It's also pervasive. Is your house dust free? Don't think so. I don't care how tight the windows are how much insulation, how much caulking you put around the windows, you're going to find dust in your home. In fact, last night as I was finally preparing for uh, these three services, guess what I did? I dusted. I got up out of that chair. I got the end dust, sprayed it over the furniture in my office, and used the dust rag to accumulate the dust. And then I went into our bedroom and my nightstand was full of dust, other things, but dust especially. The chest of drawers was also full of dust, uh, and even the lampshades were full of dust. And so I practiced what I'm preaching this morning. Uh, I paid attention uh, to dust. 
It's mentioned, uh, did I say it's mentioned uh, 117 times in the Old Testament, 7 in the New, and 20 times in the book of Job. It was used in the Old Testament both uh, in mourning and, you know, when you lost someone, primarily through death. Uh, That's the reason for greatest mourning. Sometimes the mourning, the groaning lasted 30 days. And in that process, they'd put on sackcloth, which was not their finest dress. Uh, And uh, then they would throw dust in the air along with ashes. Uh, So it was used in mourning. It was also used in contempt in the New Testament when Jesus in John chapter 10 instructed the apostles as they went out with the message of the gospel of the kingdom. He said, if they don't receive you either in a home or in a city, if they reject you and the message you bring about me, what, dust the feet off your shoes shake the dust off your feet and reject them as they've rejected you and me. And so it was a, it was a message of a scent of contempt. You, you have no value. You, you have no worth. Uh, you're disgusting. Do you recall when Absalom, David's son, usurped his throne and David and his companions had to flee Jerusalem as well? Shimei. Uh, was very upset with David, disgusted with him. He thought David was contemptible. And as David and his companions were fleeing Jerusalem, he started cursing David. I know you would never do that. You would never curse another person, would you? Uh, I felt like it a few times, but uh, except in Shakespeare, you're prohibited from cursing. But... uh, uh, somehow, uh, some people think that because he used cursing or in his um, plays that you can use it wrong. You shouldn't curse anybody. Uh, but anyway, Shimei was cursing David and his uh, companions. But then he was also throwing dust, dirt at him as a sign of how much he appreciated him. He thought David was contemptible. My mother-in-law lived in her dream house after having dreamed about it for 64 years. We moved her in her dream house in Cheyenne, Oklahoma at the age of 80. She asked the Lord for five years and he graciously gave her 10. And the most rewarding thing my wife and I have ever done in life was to financially assist her so she could live in the dream house she talked about living in for 64 years. And we, uh, by the grace of God, were able to make that a reality. And she was so happy. It was like a little girl having her hand in the cookie jar. She loved to show her her home out. It was rather unique. It was a home that she had witnessed the uh, owner, the the postman, uh, adding a natural rock facade to a wood frame two-story house and she said someday I'm going to live in that house and then 64 years later the dream became a reality which means to you and me don't give up on your dream Uh, stay with it dust is what we came from 
And this speaks to our origin. I know it's disappointing to you and to me that that's where we came from, but that's where we came from. Uh, We were made of the dust of the ground. Look at Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 7, if you would like to turn there. Then the Lord formed man, man and woman, uh, of the dust from the ground. Uh, You know, the rib was in between, but in that Adam came from dust, even though the rib wasn't dust, it was made of dust, and so the two of them were from dust. Then the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Uh, It could be lives there, uh, plural, which uh, some argue is is the uh, proof of pre-existence of the soul. Uh, I I I don't go there and want to go there, uh, but it's conceivable that uh, that before you came into human form, uh, you existed in spirit form. Uh, but that's an argument from presumption. Uh, but God did breathe multiple spirits into Adam and Eve. And uh, certainly by application, our spirit was uh, in that uh, process. Uh, so dust is what we uh, came from. And uh, look at chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, now that's, that has to do with the devil. That's his menu, you know, at least the snake which he became, right? His menu daily was dust. But in verse 19 of that third chapter, by the sweat of your face or the sweat of your brow, he previously having cursed the dirt. And we know it's cursed, right? It isn't easy to to grow things. By the way, I was born the year at the height of the Dust Bowl, 1932. Wasn't responsible for it, but I was born that particular year. Uh, And a certain... Reality that God did curse the dirt of the earth from which we were made is the fact of the dust bowl. That's irrefutable proof that uh, we came from dust and that the earth is cursed. How many of you plant weeds? Anyone? How many of you fertilize weeds? You cultivate them and water them. They need none of the above, do they? They just seem to be there incessantly. In fact, unless you get down and cut off and kill the root system, guess what? It'll make a quick, soon appearance. Right? Ah, it's, you know, I, my mother-in-law had a green thumb. Mine is less green, but I like to work in my, my flower garden. We have 60 roses, and I've done everything in the world to prohibit re- weeds from growing, but it's an effort in futility. If you if you put something in the soil, it, it's going to try to choke off the good plants and, uh, you know, hide the sun from the good plants that need the sun. Anyway, so the earth was cursed, and, uh, and we along with it, right? Our first parents uh, kind of did a naughty thing. They rebelled against God, and uh, so... The curse upon our body as well, upon, as well as upon the earth was through uh, rebellion. Have you ever wondered about uh, the fact that, or do you know, that 16 elements that are in your body, uh, 
There are 59 elements in the crust of the earth. And they've been all narrowly defined. 16 of those elements are chemicals. Chemicals are resident in your body. Now, isn't, doesn't that tell you where you came from? You, you came from dust. And, and the elements, the chemicals in your body are, are proof of that. The earth's crust, well, I won't say. It's full of all kinds of chemistry. Uh, but mostly oxygen, which is true of the human body. Uh, your human body is 65% oxygen, which means what? Air, oxygen. Hopefully not hot air. Uh, you know, we don't like to say we're full of hot air, but we are full of air, aren't we? 65% of the body. And it has other elements I, I need not uh, mention. So dust is where we came from. That's our origin. You look in the mirror and you say, well, where did I came, come from? Yeah, you, you came from dust. Yeah, that's not real complimentary. But dust is what we return to, and this speaks to our human destiny. We all return to dust. Ecclesiastes 3.20 says that all mankind return to what we came from, and, and that was dust. If you uh, require cremation for yourself, and that's your last will and testament, and your children or grandchildren cremate you, do you know the urn that you will fill as a result of that cremation? You know, is about three by three, and that's if you have a large body. We're, we're, we're made of dust, uh, and that's what we re return to. It's unavoidable. Uh, David, trying to describe that, says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and maybe you're experiencing this week or currently uh, the fearful part. Uh, I've, I'm a cancer survivor. Uh, I've had cancer in three locations. I had a near-death experience. And... Uh, but I'm alive and mostly functional. My wife questions that occasionally. But, um, and I give her justification for her questions. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm functioning. I, but I'm, I'm experiencing uh, the unknown, the uncertain, uh, the fearful part. But I'm also in that process experiencing the wonderful life that God gives in Christ, and, uh, and I, I have no fear. Um, someone said, I have no fear but fear itself. Hey, uh, we belong to the Lord, don't we? For time and eternity, and there's nothing that can threaten that security. It can threaten our body, it can threaten our livelihood, uh, our health and welfare, but it can't separate separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? So we're wonderfully made, and um, we need to pay more attention to the, uh, that part of our being rather than the fearful part. Uh, the fearful part, although, is a, a reality. Well, where are you going? Uh, have you had your vacation yet? Where did you go? 
this is a mobile society, isn't it? And so when you ask a person where they came from and where they're going, they, they can give you any number of locations as to where they came from, and they can talk about where they have yet to travel and want to go. My wife and I shortly are going to take Highway 10, the southern route to Houston, Texas, and then up to Dallas, and then up to Tulsa, Oklahoma, then to Seminole, Oklahoma, then to Oklahoma City, and then west on Highway 70 when we get there to Littleton, Colorado. And so we know where we came from, and we know where we're going. But the ultimate destination, dust. Yeah, that's our human dust destiny, isn't it? We're going back to uh, where and what we came from. Uh, when I had my near-death experience, it, it was harder on my wife than me. For three days, she wondered if I was going to live or die. And uh, I wondered as well. Uh, but a verse came to me uh, that David, the psalmist, wrote when he said uh, he remembers that we're dust. Now, the word remember in, in connection with God is never meant recall. How could God forget anything? Huh? He's omniscient. He knows everything all the time, every day, eternally. So when you see the word, a person pleading that God would remember them, uh, he's talking about be kindly disposed, treat me nice, be good to me, bless me, Lord. That's what the word remembers in relationship to God. And that verse came to my mind as I was in and out of consciousness. The Lord remembers that we're dust. You know, he keeps that in mind each and every day of our lives. He understands what he's dealing with, that he's dealing with weakness. He's not dealing with strength. He's not dealing with power. He's dealing with inert human beings who aren't able to do much. In fact, Jesus said, you can do what without me? Without me, you can do nothing? Does nothing mean nothing there? Well, you, you have to qualify it. You can still treat people kindly. You can still love as you want to be loved. You can still serve as you would want others to serve you. Uh, but if you do it in the energy of the flesh and, and for the glory of the flesh, it has no value to God. You've done something good, but God doesn't reckon it to be good as you do it for, unless you do it for his praise and for his glory. Is that not true? Yeah. And so unless we're connected uh, to the vine, we can't really show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, dust is also what we are, and that speaks to our current reality. Have you ever done something you regretted? I marvel at these people who lived a long life and somebody questions them. If you had life to live over again, would you have done something differently? And the reply often is, I would have done everything I did the same way. Hogwash. Hogwash. That's a theological term, for it's not true. Uh, how many of you, looking back on your life, 
And that's the very reason we have to ask forgiveness, right? To err is human, to forgive is divine. We've all done things we've regretted and had to ask others and God for forgiveness. Ah, I, I don't understand that kind of recall at all. Have you ever felt like dust, inert, lacking no power? When I had my near-death experience, the 11th day in the hospital, the nurse came to me and threw a washcloth on my bed and said, behind that curtain is a shower. Take a shower in preparation for us releasing you to home, giving me a pink slip. I looked at her. I didn't say anything. I was tempted to say, you, of course, are kidding me, aren't you? I felt so weak. The challenge of getting out of that bed uh, and going to the shower and showering was almost overwhelming. And I remember how difficult it was to lather the washcloth and, and take a shower. And I sat down as I did it, and I was still exhausted. So I have felt like dust. Uh, I know how it feels. Have you ever been there? Some of you have, I'm sure. It's not a bad place to be, because when you're at the point of greatest weakness, guess what? Potentially, you have the greatest power. Because Paul said what? When I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Strong. And the reason is that when you recognize your weakness, your inert ability to do something without his help and the power of the Holy Spirit, you stop competing with the Lord. You stop competing. You, you stop striving. You stop wrestling with him, don't you? And, and you say, Lord, I can't do it. You know, I can't do it. I, I'd like to, but I can't do it. But it, it is at that point, potentially at least, you have the greatest strength because then the power of God is available and you're not competing uh, with him. What did Jesus say in Philippians 4:19? I can do all things through Christ. And that doesn't mean all things. It too has to be qualified. But you can do all things that he wants you to do. You can do all things that he's, he's planned for you uh, uh, to do. Well, if you want to know your true worth in money value, you're worth $4.50. Uh, if you sell your skin, uh, this is not maybe the latest figure, and you may have better skin than I do, but it's not worth more than about $3.50. Each year, $3 billion is spent on skin care. I personally don't want to know how much you spend on skin care, but it, at the end of a year, could total up to be a sizable amount. And don't tell me you found only one pro product that meets your needs. Uh, you know, you, you've tried a lot of products, haven't you? My wife and I tried a product that was, I think, 80 or $90 a bottle, and I think it had 1.5 ounces of stuff, of cream that was supposed to remove the brown spots off of our face. We tried it for two or three weeks, 
And, and I guess we were impatient in the process, but I didn't want to keep paying 80 or $90 a bottle for a skincare product that I thought wasn't doing anything to the brown spots. Uh, some people try to thwart aging by, you know, face lift, uh, body tuck, and all those things that, you know. Cosmetic surgery is not inexpensive, by the way. If you want to do it and make yourself feel a little better, be apprised of the reality that someday uh, you're gonna, it's, it's all going to fade again to your original self, and you won't look that good if you die at a ripe old age, okay? And I know, ladies, that what you go through, men are vain as well. You know, I use that stuff on my face, but it doesn't do any good at all. And uh, you ladies have experienced uh, trying to brush off a hair from your chin and regrettably find that it's attached, you know. We, we, you know, we, we just want to look young, right? We, we, we don't want to age, but it's, it's going to happen. So dust is our current reality. I don't care how you dress it, how you care for the skin. You're still dust, okay? You're, you're a pile of dust in a little different structural form, um, but you're dust. I have encouragement for you. I have encouragement for you. You're worth more to God than you are, uh, you know, to the doctors. Chemically, God uses dust. God uses creatures that he made out of the dust of the soil, the dirt of the ground. Aren't you glad? If, if God, in fact, Jesus, God's son, did he not? In John chapter 9, what is that? The story of the man born, from, born blind from birth? Hadn't seen the light of day and, and, and came to Jesus and Jesus spit on the ground, right? He spit on the ground and he made clay out of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the man born blind from birth and said to him, and he had to obey to get the miracle, go to the pool of Siloam and wash in it and, and uh, you'll be made whole. Uh, him who was the light of the world, which he had just stated, will give you light in your eyes and, and you'll see what you've never seen before. So he went to the pool of Siloam and the Bible says he came back seeing. Can you imagine being the object of that kind of miracle where you were blind from birth, never saw color, never saw the beauty of a rainbow or the great beautiful hues of a rose. Everything was only darkness and then to be able to see everything clear, contrasting, and definitive. So Jesus, you, my mother used to use d dirt and dust on me. I had somehow struggled as an adolescent to wash behind my ears. And you know what she would do? The nerve of my mother. She would spit in her hand and she'd rub two fingers in it and she would remove the dirt from the back of my ear. Huh? How about that? And I, I don't know. I suppose spit can be used for other things, but we'll drop it at that. But God can use you, right? Yeah, that's, 
His, his purpose is that he use you for the praise of your glory and uh, you're a chosen vessel. The issue is, are you going to be a vessel of honor or are you going to be a vessel of dishonor? Because clay is really a, a mixture of dirt and, and dust and, and water. Uh, God wants to use you. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says that um, we were created... What was it? Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We were created for His glory. For we are His workmanship. Uh, We think of His skill uh, in creating us was a little bit more skillful than uh, what our first parents came from. For we are His workmanship. And that means spiritual as well as physical, right? We're his spiritual workmanship. God is trying to make us into what we ought to be, not physically, but what we need to be uh, spiritually. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And how you should live your Christian life was already planned out by God before you took your first breath. Hard to remember that, isn't it? But remember with God, everything is now. With us, in the context of time, which is the passing of sequential moments, in the context of time, it's, for us it's past, present, and future. With God, everything is now. Everything is now. Columbus is still landing on the seashores of the Dominican Republic with God. Everything is now. Doesn't that boggle your mind? There's no past, present, or future with God. Everything is, is now. So God wants to use you. But remember, without connection to him who is the vine, the branches will die and fade away, and they too return to their first element. Jesus said, without him we can do what? Nothing. But you can do something for the praise of your glory. If you do it by means of his spirit and his power, you can shine as light in the midst of darkness. Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessel. For what reason? Why does God use earthen vessels made out of dust? so that the, the power, the excellency may be of God and not of us. How much bragging can thus do? Can't do any. Can't do any. What do we have to boast about except boasting in our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, dust is our, not our final condition. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? It's not our final condition. It speaks to our ultimate glorification. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul said, For our citizenship is in heaven. We have dual citizenship. From, from whence we look for the Lord Jesus, who shall change our vile fleshly body, that it might be transformed like unto his own glorious body. And someday, you're going to have a supernatural glorified body, just like the resurrection body of Jesus Christ. John in chapter 1, 
uh, chapter 2, verse 3, says that we know not what we shall be in heaven, but we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You're going to be like Jesus. You say, chaplain, does that mean that I'm going to run around uh, like a small Jesus, an exact replica of who he is? Well, not exactly. A little bit short of omniscience. But you're going to be very, very similar, both physically and, you know, anatomically and spiritually, like Jesus. But a little short of omniscience and omnipotence. Otherwise, you would become what? You would become God. And despite the teaching of the Mormon church, we don't become little gods. We become like Jesus. A simile. We become like him. In most ways, but not in all ways. So this morning, I hope you're encouraged. Uh, I didn't mean this message to be a downer for you. But the miracle is that God made us from dust. And an even greater miracle is that the God of the universe has purposed that he used, uh, that he used us who were made of dust and clay. And I hope that your prayer and, and resolution is to, to let the Lord use you, even though you're dust, uh, to the praise of his glory. Father, uh, we thank you for your love. And we thank you that you sit on the throne of the universe, uh, managing your eternal uh, kingdom. And uh, we thank you for uh, redeeming us paying the penalty of our sin while we were yet unborn. And we are very mindful that Jesus, of all the create, created beings in the universe, uh, he alone was able to die for our sins on the cross because he alone was equal in value to the debt owed. We're so glad that he could substitute his life for ours. Forgive us and make a place, reserve a place freely fully forever in heaven. We look forward to his coming, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.